Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today the detail looks at the big fuss over co-governance. It's not new, so why is it causing so much controversy now? Things that didn't even exist in 1840, mm. healthcare, three waters, the funding of scientific research, you name it, the idea is now that there are some seats reserved at the table uh, because of your background being Māori. The opposition accusing Labour of sneaking through separate systems for Māori, using the recent announcement of a Māori health authority as an example. If something isn't working, fix it. Our health system is not working for Māori. The interpretation and definition of partnership and co-governance under Te Tiriti or Waitangi has been back in the public eye, generating claims of division and race-baiting politicking. No, because I think we'll end up creating a massive amount of bureaucracy and by their own admission, the Māori Health Authority won't deliver a single improved health outcome for Māori in five years. I am sad that there are people that are frightened by it. Uh, that that see that as some kind of robbery. I look at how co-governance is already working in parts of the country and the row over its part in Three Waters and health reforms. I talked to Tracy Hopapa, Chair of the Federation of Māori Authorities, who has been the brunt of angry abuse. People are saying to me, why do you, Māori, want to change things? Why are you after power, control or funding, why do you think you have any right to talk about co-governance, either for Crown or Māori? And barrister and former Minister for Treaty of Waitangi Negotiations, Chris Finlayson, between 2008 and 2017, as part of the last national government, he set up a number of co-governance arrangements. People could be called the sour right. They don't like tangata whenua, they dream of a world that never was and never could be, well, we've just got to sort of leave those losers behind and move on. First, a history lesson. It's May the 22nd, 1995, and the groundbreaking treaty settlement between the Crown and Tainui is being signed at Turangawaiwai Marae. And that settlement was over Ropatu claims, you know, when lands were just taken off Māori. But in the settlement, it said there would also be uh, Tranche 2, which would deal with the river, and Tranche 3, that would deal with the harbours. So the Waikato people, as part of the settlement, had a specific act for the river, with their view, from a Waikato Tainui perspective, about improving or restoring the health and well-being of the river uh, for future generations. And that also aimed to recognise the significance of the Waikato River for Tiwi Māori, Waikato Tainui, as well as the broader communities and Aotearoa. They recognised too that a partnership approach was the smartest way and the the proper way. And I expanded that settlement to bring in the other iwi on the river, particularly Rokawa, Te Arawa and Ngāti Tuwharitoa. And then we also brought in Ngāti Maniapoto to deal with the Waipa. They pulled together what they called the Guardian's Establishment Committee, comprised of representatives from Waikato Tainui, uh, and the Waikato River Iwi, 
alongside of industry, communities, uh, regional councils, territorial authorities. And so you had a broad church of people who were vested in improving the quality and state of the waterways. So that really, I suppose, you could say is the genesis of co-governance arrangements. Can you describe how that works? Yes. Co-governance redress gives the settling iwi an opportunity to participate directly with either local or regional government uh, to provide advice or take part in the management of a particular resource. So that's the overarching principle. And there are two types of models that have been developed over the years. Um, First, you've got advisory boards, and then you've got joint management boards, which will have a more hands-on approach. The most intense form of governance would be seen in the Wanganui River one, where the Wanganui River was given its own legal personality and two PO or leaders were appointed to govern that resource and represent that resource in, say, a court hearing. One is a Crown representative uh, and the other one is the local iwi representative. But co-governance between the Crown and iwi doesn't always go smoothly. Take Tūhoi and Te Uruwera. Te Uruwera, a vast expanse of rainforest and its gem within Waikaremoana. When a road was cut through, tourists ventured in. And it lies in the homeland of Tūhoi. But there was little consultation in the 1950s when the government declared this area to be Uruwera National Park. It should never have been made a national park in 1954 because Tūhoi was shut out of any involvement in their homeland at all. It's easy to see why this was a prized public asset. In 2014, Te Uruwera ceased to be a national park and, of course, now it's managed by Ngai Tūhoi in partnership with the Crown. After an interim board of equal numbers of Crown and Tūhoi representatives was set up, uh, it then morphed after a three-year period into a body where Tūhoi representatives have the majority, which is as it should be. Because there has been quite a lot of discussion about how that settlement or that arrangement has gone. But it seems to me that DOC, the Department of Conservation, is still involved there. Well, that's a very, very good question. And I've got a lot of time for the Department of Conservation. But... I think they basically can't let go because what they have to do is read the Tūhoi legislation and they shouldn't have to have a former minister explaining it in a podcast. Times have changed. It's not co-governance. Yes, they will have an involvement, but it's a settlement that responds to the particular historical circumstances and the need to obtain a just and durable settlement with Tūhoi. And so the world has changed, uh, and central government in Wellington, through the Department of Conservation, no longer plays the role that it used to play when it was a national park. And some people may regret that uh, and 
my answer to them is it's too late for regrets. This is the new world. Uh, just follow the Nike slogan. Just do it. <laughs> but, I mean, so what... What will happen there? Because, you know, there was a really interesting interview with Tamati Kruger on Q&A with Fenner Owen. He kind of said, you know, so it hasn't been a perfect arrangement with Doc. The Department of Conservation and Tuhoi, they do come from different places. Tuhoi's Te Uru Taumatua chairman, Tamati Kruger. Uh, ideologies, philosophy, culture, language, practice... And so in the seven years, we have found the collision points of those and we've tried our very best, both parties, to work those things out. Co-governance is not our term. Mana motuhake is our term. So uh, we are committed to washing away dependency on the Crown and, and raising maximum autonomy for Tuhoe people. To describe the arrangements in the Uruweras as co-governance misses the point, really. The arrangements that we set up weren't all that dissimilar from what Dick Seddon did in relation to the Uruweras in the last few years of the 19th century. Uh, and we've got to make it work. And Tuhoi will have a different way of how they see their homeland and how they want to respond. And it's going to take some time for Tuhoi Hapu to build up resource, which was absolutely denuded over the years. So um, I simply say to people, one, there's a new regime, get with it, folks. Two, um, to use the old cliche, Rome wasn't built in a day. There will be tensions. There will be uh, aggravations. But that's the price of moving on and just relax. Just go with the flow. So do you think there's a place for Doc in in the future into Uruweda? Yes, but it's a subservient one. Right. They don't call the shots, and they need to listen and help Tuhoi build up their strength, build up their expertise, but they're not in the driving seat anymore. Tamati Kruger's description of, of co-governance. I don't see it as the final destination. I don't see co-governance as the answer. But I, I think it's the next bus stop in a journey. Is the ultimate aim for different iwi to have a self-governance, a self-rule, self-determination? Oh, well, I think they all want uh, greater degrees of self-determination, and perhaps I'm at the more liberal end of the the spectrum because I would say uh, over the years, the further you get away from Wellington, the more neglected iwi and iwi members have been. So um, as they get their settlements and become financially strong again, give them the chance to get involved in other stuff. I mean, here's an example. Um, I'm sure Tuhoi would say, as would many iwi, we don't want any of our tamariki dependent on welfare. Mm. Put, us, put us in funds and we'll make sure they work. Well, I say give it a go. The central government hasn't done anything for those tamariki. And if you're looking at the very principled stand taken by Kahanunu about um, child placements, 
not one more child should be lost kahanunu well i think they've got a point and then when you look at um conservation areas i mean i just think of um nati tarafa around lake okataina and nati rangatihi over the hill um there's a whole lot of land there that's scenic reserve that could be managed perfectly adequately by nati tarafa i think part of the problem is that and i'm talking now about the conservation estate there's so much land in the dock estate not all of it is schedule 4 a lot of it uh, are old lands and survey farms that they got in 1987 um a lot of it could be simply administered by iwi where's the problem in that i see no problem whatsoever but a lot of people do see a problem with it. Just ask Tracy Hopapa. She worked on the creation of the co-governance model, the Waikato River Authority. My sense is, um, because I've lived and live with the reaction, a strong reaction of people uh, with regards to co-governance um, through my emails, texts and messages, that people are afraid of what they don't know. And people have a sense that this is a takeover when in actual fact it's an opportunity for us to model good leadership for Aotearoa now. I think it's pretty simple. It's a no-brainer. What sort of messages do you get from people? Why do you, Māori, want to change things? Why are you after power, control or funding? Why are you promoting a separatist model within Aotearoa? Why are you a reverse racist? Why do you think you have any right to talk about co-governance, either for Crown or Māori? What has happened here, do you think? Why is there so much controversy at the moment? The last two or three years... Uh, living through a pandemic has shown the space and gaps between our people uh, and how um, society, communities and or government respond, in this case, to Māori. Um, and so just as a quick example, uh, and it's not co-governance or co-management, but it is the responsiveness of Māori to dealing with issues for our own uh, when we are not heard. And so we can see the vaccine rollout and the protection uh, and provision of health uh, and social support services during the, the heat of the pandemic. What that's done is this last couple of years has really highlighted difference. And we've also lived through around about the same time, the Black Lives Matter piece uh, and there are extreme views being held by individuals. Look at the occupation of Parliament grounds recently. That was sobering and heart-wrenching for all of us. The point about co-governance is if we didn't use that word, Sharon, and we use partnership, then maybe people would feel more comfortable about it. But partnership in its truest sense when applied to the Crown Māori relationship still goes to very much the sharing of decision making, of power it's premised on trust and confidence and albeit that we're still building some of that sometimes but it really is 
a pragmatic response to giving life to Te Reti or Waitangi. And there was a very um, interesting and useful discussion between Wainamani Apoto and uh, Christopher Luxon a couple of weeks ago, where they uh, debated uh, what co-governance means. Do you trust Māori to come up with solutions? Absolutely, absolutely. So why are you not listening to Māori? And that's what we could do, like in terms of a single healthcare system with a Māori health directorate within the Ministry of Health. We could have iwi partnership boards that actually work very well. Chris, I used to work in health. I was a national Māori smoke-free coordinator. There was a Māori directorate in there. Mm. They struggled in there. This is well documented. Yeah, so why don't we make it more efficient and more effective? The next steps are for government... Uh, and for political leaders to recognise that co-governance is a new system and mode of partnership that aims to address equality and equity issues for Māori, that the idea of healthy discussion and debate is much needed now, the thought leadership around co-governance and co-management between Crown and Māori is necessary, and I would hope that we get onto that task sooner rather than later so that we can avoid um, this very important matter being a political football uh, in 23. This is shaping up to be one of the big issues for next year's election, would you say? Yeah, I think it is. There is a place for a smart and considered debate on this Mm. Uh, and I wonder whether Parliament is ready for that because remember the the discussion around this partnership approach was promoted with Labour, um, endorsed with National, uh, supported by the Māori Party and even reluctantly New Zealand First and ACT by association um, have been part of co-governance and co-management policies and implementations with good results. Well, I think that there are some initiatives being taken by the current government which have had the label co-governance slapped on them. They may not necessarily be co-governance. And that is why I went back to uh, the initial stages of the Waikato River Report and explained the way co-governance had developed in relation to natural resources... Uh, and now it is being applied to a whole range of things, and I doubt whether some of those initiatives are actually co-governance. Are you talking about, say, the new Māori Health Authority? A very good example. I don't know that I'd necessarily call that co-governance. I'd say it's an initiative uh, commenced by the current government to see if there are ways in which the sometimes dire health statistics of Tangata Whenua can be improved. What about Three Waters? Um, A decision has been made, remove those assets from local government and create these new entities and have Maori involvement. That is a form of uh, co-governance, and I would have thought that it was a legitimate response to say that iwi should have some say in some of these questions. But I suppose the people are kind of saying, well, why should a minority group have so much say in something that is of equal importance to everybody? 
Well, I suppose an answer to that would be they shouldn't be characterised as a minority group or a stakeholder. They're a treaty partner. Mm. And um, that changes the equation quite considerably. And if I wanted a just and durable settlement uh, and um, uh, people have been living along a river for umpteen generations and the river was them and they were the river, then, sorry, um, they do have um, a case for special treatment. It's not favouritism. It's recognition of the role of tangata whenua in this society. What do you think about um, David Seymour's call for a referendum on this? Fair enough? No, and I've said to David, look, David, I like you and respect you, but I think the idea of a referendum uh, would not be particularly constructive because it would bring out of the woodwork all sorts of nasties and crazies. I'm thinking of the sorts of people I had to deal with when I was seeking to repeal the horrible foreshore and seabed legislation. But it it does feel already that there is that extreme element and they are having a say around this. How do you change that? I mean, isn't it all too late? No. The way I do it is I think the government has got an obligation to explain clearly the responsibility on them under the Treaty of Waitangi in terms of policy formulation. Get out there and explain it to people what they're seeking to do and why they're doing it and what are the limits on it. Don't be intellectual. Get out there and talk to people and emphasise key points. Keep it simple. But this government, I think, uh, is not doing a particularly good job of communicating what co-governance is, where it comes from, and what are the proper boundaries for co-governance. I think government has to take the lead. Uh, This kind of debate should be encouraged because I think we've come a hell of a long way as a country. Uh, No one ever said that when treaty settlements were signed, it would be all sort of beer and skittles. Back to the Waikato River Authority. Has co-governance made the river healthier? I think that uh, to turn the tide uh, and to improve our water quality for one of New Zealand's probably largest water bodies or river bodies is going to take uh, more than a 20-year task that was first set. Uh, this is going to be generational. Uh, the good thing about the Waikato River Authority is that they've made a start and they have uh, formed uh, partnerships and strategic partnerships with industry groups, with farming communities, with schools, uh, with hapu and whānau along the river. And they've also been able to share their model, uh, successes and failures, internationally as well. Uh, and that's been a win. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Chris Finlayson and Tracy Hopapa. Ka kite anō.